The second half of the 2023 MLB season is here for the Mariners. We just got out of the All-Star break and the MLB draft for the Mariners. So there is a lot, and I mean a lot, to talk about in episode 16 of the Hit It Here podcast. I'm here with Joe. Joe, how are you? I'm great, man. I'm excited for the second half. We, you know, exited the first half on a high. Hopefully we can continue that stretch. But before we get to anything about that, obviously, what everyone's waiting for, the tell-all from Colton's point of view from the All-Star Week. How was it, dude? Overall, All-Star Week was very fun. I think that it's, you know, a once-in-a-lifetime experience. I had a whole lot of fun, especially the Home Run Derby and the All-Star Game itself. The seats I was in were conveniently, like, in the sun the whole time, which was kind of sad. And You don't look any you... more tan than you already were, but... Well, you know, I burn easy. There you go. So <laughs> I threw a lot of sunscreen on. But... Uh, if you've been to T-Mobile Park before, you know that if you're sitting in right field during the mid-afternoon to like early night games, it's hot and the sun shines on you the entire time, which was fine. I mean, it was it, in the end, it worked out. Thankfully, it was a little cloudy for the home run derby, so we could actually see, so we didn't get hit in the face. Mm. And also, it was like all right-handed hitters except for Adley, and then he switched Ooh. to right-handed anyway. So. And then he lost in the first round, but anyways. Yeah, but overall, I mean... I'll have a video coming out at some point, just kind of about like the behind the scenes of it. I think if I only had to have one real gripe about how the whole thing was run, the play ballpark is just terribly, terribly run. In my opinion, there's an app that you can get that you can like, you have to get reservations for autographs, but no one tells you that when you get the app. So you just have to hopefully know that. And then when you try to get reservations, they all go live at nine. And so you, you, click on it at nine and the whole app freezes and crashes because yeah. everyone's trying to do it. it it's that part is just really really poorly ran and then there was also when you make a reservation you have to make sure that you include yourself as a guest and when you make a reservation it'll say how many guests well you would think you would say oh i'm alone zero no guests nope. you are your own guest interesting so, yeah. so do, do you so, think like I don't know, as far as like a first time user experience, that was just like the big thing is like just lack of like knowledge and experience surrounding something like that. Yeah, like, I think, you know, if I had to go back in time and say like first time of going to spring training, would I feel as comfortable as like we would going now? Definitely not. So I think, I don't know, having that experience for you firsthand now should, you know, come back to Seattle at any point or, you know, we find ourselves at an all-star week somewhere else. I think that you've been there, you have the experience. Now, maybe it'll go a little bit more smoothly next time because you kind of already have that back pocket. Yeah, you have the insider knowledge. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I made I made a reservation to go meet Lou Pinella and Jay Buhner. I get up there to scan it, and she says, you can't come in. I'm like, why? She's like, you don't have any guests. I'm like, "That's you're right. I am myself. I am my guest. <laughs> you, got, you got Bubble Buddy next to you in line. I like... literally, I had a reservation. I scanned, and I'm like, so what did I make a reservation for? She goes, nothing. I'm like, cool. And I walked away. I'm like, this is so stupid. That's that's unfortunate. <laughs> there was like there was like giveaways of like a ticket to so on the app it said Felix Hernandez will be at tops from 130 to three. Uh -huh. I'm like, cool. I'm gonna go to tops at 130. And then I get over there. She's like, Do you have a ticket? I'm like, where where do you get the ticket? She's like, Oh, they were giveaways at like nine o'clock this morning. I'm like, oh cool. Where's where does it say that anywhere? No, yeah. oh, I can't figure it out. How was I supposed to know that? Sure. I don't know. The whole thing is just so poorly run. It was ridiculous. So, you know, you got a gripe out of your way. What What's the most, like, positive experience that you had at the All-Star? You mentioned, you know, the Home Run Derby and the the game itself, but give it, give us a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, again, and overall, I come out of this week extremely positive. That was the one thing that I 
wasn't happy about. But the the week itself is super cool. I think the play ballpark is really cool when when you get down to it. There's a lot of cool things there. Um, they have some stuff from the home run or not the home run derby, the Hall of Fame, okay. and like the Negro League museums and whatnot is really cool. And just a lot of things, especially if you especially if you have kids. Like if you have kids, it's a really cool experience. You can bring them to go do like you. They can play on a field with Tino Martinez, for example. He was out nice. there coaching them, and which was cool. They had like a, their own little home run derby thing out at Lumen Field. Uh, the draft itself, I really really like going to. I think that was probably one of the highlights of the week. If we're not talking, <clears> of course, actually seeing home run derby and sure. all star game. So the draft, I think was definitely one of the highlights for me. Even though I spoiled your your dream pick yep. <laughs> moments before it happened. Yeah, 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 because to people on Twitter, the the I didn't you know, even think the, about it, dude. It was like the, 3 the, or 4 the tweet was like 3 or 4 minutes old at that point. I'm like, "Oh, it had to have happened by now." And I messaged message you and then you said, "Are you spoiling it?" And I'm like, "You've got to be kidding me." Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. You made I some friends really too? About- yeah, so let's talk a little bit about all the people I met. I met a ton of people. I have a list here. I'm going to try to shout everyone out. But at the draft specifically, hanging out with Austin and Gunner. Shout out Austin and Gunner. It was nice to meet you guys. You guys will be in another behind-the-scenes video at some point soon. Let me pull up my list here of all the people I met because I don't want to miss anyone. I'm sure I will miss somebody because there's about a 1,000 people on here. Here we go. Uh, I met Elliot and Patty. Both of them were at the um, Simply Seattle Home Run Derby, so that was really cool. There was also, where should we start here? Uh, Kellen, Inez, Miles, Riley, Alex, Brayden, Josh number one, uh, <laughs> Benjamin. Benjamin was very cool, by the way. He was the kid that I, I met at the play ballpark. Little guy, he was so excited. It was awesome. W. Um, Drew, Max, Easy, Jensen. Shout out to you, Jensen. I didn't actually meet you, but Austin asked me to give you a shout out. You are on Austin's baseball team, so shout out to Jensen. Jonathan. I met Jonathan. Jonathan, you have a sick mustache. I unfortunately did not get to tell you that. It was like a nice, I think if I remember correctly, it's like a nice handlebar mustache. Really cool. Um, Code Red. We met Code Red. That was pretty cool. Atticus. Um, the one guy that said hi to me when we were both eating. And so we like elbowed each other. That was cool. Nice to meet you, man. I didn't get your name. Um, <laughs> Gabriel, Alex, Joshua, Cameron, and Andy. Mariners Andy, who we talked to on Twitter a okay. lot. Okay. It was nice to meet all of you guys. If I did miss your name, I greatly apologize. I was trying to keep a list of everybody I met and ask who you were. But if I did miss you, sorry. That's so cool, though. That I don't know. Just you've gone to plenty of games and like, you know, gotten recognized or, you know, people said hi. I've had it a couple times as well. But this is just on a whole new level. It feels like in terms of exposure, just because what, what do you think the difference is? Just like the fact that like it's like the not to say like the real Mariners fans aren't at the other games, but it's just like this is the true fan experience, right? I yeah, I think that's exactly right. Okay. Is I it's you're gonna get more of the diehards at something like this. Like mm-hmm. you're not gonna get someone who goes to like maybe a Mariners game every couple of years sure. going to this stuff. Why would they care? So mm-hmm. everyone that's there, you know, they love baseball, and I don't know. Also, side side note here, I I want to te- I tested a theory for the All Star game, right? So I wore a hat and sunglasses for most of the game mainly because i couldn't see because the sun was in my eyes but also i thought to myself do people only recognize me because of my hair and i did not get recognized once at the all-star game i would i mean i would imagine so you got it's It's like a disc it's a completely different disguise it's like you're clark kent 
Yeah. And had you gone to the bathroom, taken the hat off, taken the sunglasses off, walked out, I bet you within 10 minutes you would have been recognized. Oh, speaking of the bathroom, I met two guys in the bathroom at the Futures game. All right. So let's talk a little bit, Joe, about the MLB draft, the 2023 MLB draft, because obviously you made a little bit of a video about it. I haven't really gotten to talk about it all Mm -hmm. that much, but let's just recap really quick what, what you thought of the Mariners draft this year. I honestly did not pay attention after the first day, if I'm being Mm -hmm. real. And that is definitely a big mistake on my end because there's a lot of guys that have gotten picked in those middle rounds that have come up pretty quickly or just have made an impact within the organization. So we will definitely take a bit deeper of a dive as, you know, time goes on here. But I don't know. I thought there wasn't really, I think, where we were at at the point in the draft the impact player that could have been like this, like, whoa, moment was kind of probably already taken. You know, Colt Emerson looks like a great product, right? You know, he's super young, can develop him really well. Same thing with Farmelo and Pete. There's a lot to like about the three first round picks there. And then I had a slight little hiccup with the recording for, um, what was his name? Ben Williamson? No, not yeah. Ben. Is it Ben? Uh, I had a bit about him in the video that I was going to put in there, but my audio was really, really scuffed. And I don't know. I, I like what I've seen from him. It gives me big Tyler Locklear vibes, and I think a lot of people would kind of be akin to that as well. But, yeah, I think there's a lot of value. I mean, people have been talking about the value in this draft since, you know, the beginning of the year, maybe even last year, talking about where the value, how heavy it is in terms of previous drafts. I think the Mariners probably have made a couple big splashes in here and just kind of bolstered up their farm, which is definitely, you know, something to consider going into the trade deadline. Yeah, and I think that the way that they did it, in in my head, it made a ton of sense to me because obviously the past couple of drafts, I, in the video I made about who the Mariners could draft, even though I did not get a single one of those right, <laughs> I was this close to getting Chase Davis right. Thanks, Joe. Um uh, the way, when I made it, I noted that the last two years have been high school. Like they went college, 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 college mm-hmm. with Jerry under Jerry Depoto, and then high school, high school. So they're kind of leaning more into the high school guys. And I think that this is their way of making a more sustainable product because you think about the way that the Mariners prospects have been coming up. You think about like the the waves, if you will. Jerry's described it as waves, and. You saw, like, the Logan Gilbert, Jared Kelnick, like, them getting called up. And then, of course, you know, kind of the Julio, George Kirby sort of wave, if you will. And then, I guess, kind of on the horizon, we probably have, like, the Harry Ford wave. Or, I no, we had the the Bryce Miller, Brian Brian Wu, Emerson, Hancock wave. And then the next wave will probably be, like, the Harry Ford wave. Maybe, who else might come up with Harry Ford? In terms of, like, big impact, I could see one more, maybe not a wave, but a a ripple before that i would assume we'll see someone like a jonathan class a or someone in that range where they're kind of getting close like they're in double a AA or triple a right now but whether or not that's like the big splash that you're talking about you're talking about like big waves like like a harry ford or a cole young they're probably what two years away for being kind of realistic so yeah i'd say those two guys would probably be the next ones for me agreed and with Ford, it also just depends on how long they want to wait, how much they want him to develop, which he's obviously developed quite well, but yeah. they don't they don't want to they don't want to pull the Mike Zanino route and then have him come up like two years before he should have. Yeah. 
and be a an unfinished product. So with that, then you have so going even deeper into the minor leagues. Then there's like the Cole Young uh, part of this dra- or part of the wave, and then now we have the Colt Emerson part of the wave. If we're picking like one headliner, mm-hmm. so they're all coming up in waves, guys that are supplementing each other. And I think that's exactly what the Mariners are doing is they're they're building this out for long term success. Could they have gone with a college bat that could be here in the next couple of years? Abs- absolutely. They absolutely could have. And there there have even been guys who get drafted and then are up at the end of the same year they were drafted, which is wild to me. Yeah, but it can happen. And could the Mariners have gone with someone that is going to progress that quickly? Sure, they could have. But then you have. And a team that is all becoming free agents all around the same time. Yeah. As you slowly add different layers to this, these are all guys that, oh, George Kirby's a free agent. Well, we can supplement him now with player X that we got in the 2023 draft. Or And if Jerry DePoto and Justin Hollander and Scott Hunter and all these guys have proved anything, is that they're really, really good at this. All of their first round picks over the past, you know, six years, of course, minus the Cole Young pick and the Harry Ford pick because they're just not there yet. Yeah, have made it to the big leagues. You think George Kirby, Logan Gilbert, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They're they're all in the major leagues yeah, right and now making, and making a big impact as well. Yeah, and they're huge for this team. So the Mariners are good at this. And if they have now gone, those were all college guys they drafted, and now they've kind of moved on to these high school guys. Because let, let let's be honest, the Mariners are on the bubble of making of becoming a perennial playoff contender, no matter what you want to say. Oh, they're not good enough. If they can just, you know, get going in the right direction. And a lot of these guys, they're on the bubble. They have a very good sustainable baseball team right now. Yeah. And even if 2023 is not the year, what may, what would, even if you ran it back in 2024, which I don't think they should do. If you ran it back with the exact same team and you just had some of these guys perform to what they have their entire career, which you can never rely on, of course. But yeah. if it did, if it did happen, this is a team that's a perennial playoff contender. And then when you can inject young talent into that from the minor leagues at midpoint in the season, that's how you that that is how teams win. That's how the Braves have done it. That's how the Astros have done it. As these young guys, they come up, they're molded by you, and then you're able to inject them into your playoff contention team. Yeah. I, my biggest concern, I guess, would just be we've developed pitchers. The pitching lab is noted. We've been able to do that successfully, repeatedly, several times now. It's the bats that have not been able to be developed yet. I mean, Julio, I think, is you know the one example, but I'm not really... He, we're not going to get another Julio, I don't think. You know, like the Harry Ford is not, I don't think that they're going to be on a similar level. I'm not saying that Harry Ford can't reach that. I just think that there was something intrinsically motivating Julio. Not to say that Harry Ford doesn't have that as well, but I just think they're on different levels for me. I think it's a good thing, though, that they're drafting these bats because it gives you more opportunity to develop the bats because we've had success with pitching. The pitching's not necessarily super needed to draft heavy in, whereas I think the bats could be a bit more beneficial should we, one, struggle to develop them, or two, have a couple successes with them and then be able to like kind of like pick and choose where we want to trade away from the farm in that regard. Yeah, and for for the Mariners, so of the 22 players they picked, only 10 of them were pitchers. And that is, let me see here, only two or three teams picked fewer pitchers than them. That was the Angels. Oh, my God, they are so stupid. The <laughs> Astros, the Cardinals, and the Giants. Oh, and the Phillies. So five teams selected 
less than them. The Mariners selected one catcher, 10 pitchers, three shortstops, uh, three third basemen, five outfielders, uh, and zero two-way players. So, yeah. yeah. Ty, <laughs> so, Pete, Ty Pete, former two-way player yeah, as of guy August that, last year. Guy that hates pitching, yeah. Um, so that's, I mean, the Mariners have, like you said, drafted more hitters than they have pitchers at least this year i don't know what it was like the last couple of years but yeah they know that the, the 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 core of pitchers that the mariners have are gonna be here for quite a while now and they've got some time inject- to just wait on draft right more pitchers yeah you've you've injected brian Wu. you've injected bryce miller both this year mm-hmm. obviously brian Wu is gonna have to get shut down at some point but that's a whole nother story entirely Emerson Hancock, we still don't know what he could be, if he could be anything, but he's there. There are these guys that you can have for the next, you know, half a decade that can get injected into your rotation over the next few years. And the Mariners have proved they're really good at finding relievers from nothing as well. So pitching is not a big deal for them. So if they're out there drafting more guys like Cole Emerson, which people have said felt redundant with Cole Young, which is totally fair. I don't, don't disagree wholeheartedly. They could almost end up being the same person. I would... Honestly, have we ever seen them in the same room at the same time? I don't know. But we could put them kind of in a similar spot in like the prospect rankings. And like you said, with Hmm. in terms of some of these guys, where would you rank Cole Emerson, Ty Pete, etc.? You're you're funny because that was going to be the next question I was going to ask you whenever you stopped. So Ah. I was I was looking at it. So when Cole Young got drafted last year, he was ranked as the fourth prospect in our Behind Harry Ford, Emerson Hancock, and Gabby Gonzalez, and one ahead of Bryce Miller. Looking at the rankings as they stand right now, Harry Ford, Cole Young, Brian Wu, Gabby Gonzalez, Emerson Hancock are the top five. Wu's probably going to graduate from that, you know? So that puts Felon and Celestine at the fifth. I would probably put Emerson behind him. I would put him at the sixth spot. Go Harry Ford, Cole Young, Gabby Gonzalez, Emerson Hancock, Felon and Celestine, and then Colt Emerson right above Walter Ford and then like Taylor Dollar, Tyler Locklear. That's kind of where I would have him at this point. Um, do you think he'd be lower? Do you think he'd be higher? I, I agree. I don't think that I would have Emerson Hancock that high. And I'm just looking at like where the 2023 rankings right, stand right now. Right. Right. So I, I would probably have him displace Emerson Hancock. I might, where did, where was Gabby Gonzalez ranked fourth? Fourth, but he'll move up to third once Brian Wu graduates. Okay. If the rankings should just stay stagnant and stationary how they are right now, that's kind of where I was at, just like putting him into like where our top 10 is. Should nothing change except for Wu leaving? That's kind of where I was taking my point. Yeah, I think that that's probably about right. And somewhere in the top five, I would say between okay. maybe between three and six is where I'd put him. I guess if we're being honest, I could definitely see him replacing Emerson Hancock on that list pretty okay. easily. But I think what. And that's just how it always works, right? The, the first guy that you pick in the draft generally is going to go into your top five prospects, and then he's either going to fall off immensely or he's going to stick around in there for a few years. Yeah. So I mean, that's just that's just the way the draft works. As for uh, Formello and Ty Pete and Williamson, I mean, what, what, they'll probably all fall into our top 30. I think Formello probably like top 15 and then Pete in that same range, like yeah. 15 to 20. Yeah, I would agree with that. I'd put them, I'd put all three, the first, the first three, I'd put them all in the top 20. Okay. And then with, um, with Williamson, maybe around like 24, 25 ish. Again, I, I don't have it right in front of me and I'm just kind of going off the top of my head right now, but that's kind of what I'm thinking with these guys. Yeah. 
And so that brings up an interesting topic because, like we said, Cole Emerson and Cole Young. God, that's going to be so annoying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's going to be so annoying. Holy crap. Four letter um, names both start with C-O-L. <laughs> do you think that the Mariners could be looking to trade one of these guys at the trade deadline this year? Because obviously they're, they've focused heavily on middle infield. You have guys like Cole Young and Felton and Celestin, et cetera, et cetera. They could all fill in here in the middle of the infield. Is this is this a scenario where they they roll out kind of like, like the race where they just see how far they can develop these guys and if you have too many at some point you have too many yeah. or is this kind of a ploy where they're gonna use it to trade for maybe a guy who's a little bit closer to the big leagues? I would not be surprised if Cole Young is no longer in our farm system by the deadline. Should we come out the gates hot in the All Star break? Because I think you've solidified your middle infield prospects basically with Emerson and then Celestine. I think teams would be more interested in having young over the other two. And if that's kind of where you want to lean with how you want to approach the deadline, if you're, you know, the front office, I would not be surprised that you're confident in your drafting ability to allow that system, that, that farm system to lose Cole young. I, I don't disagree with that. Like, I'm not yeah. saying I want them to do it. I just, if that is something that happens, that's going to be a place where they they might trade from as far as their farm system goes. Cause you got, you know, three or four, you like Axel Sanchez is in there as well. I'm not saying he's, you know, going to be any better than Cole Young or whatever. Cause obviously he's lower in the prospect rankings, but there's opportunity to trade from now be- mm-hmm. by the way that they drafted in that first round by picking two you know, middle infield could grade out to a third base type should they, you know, kind of like a Noel V. Marte, but yeah. Yeah, and the, the Michael Arroyos of the world are also someone you could throw in there. And I mm-hmm. see that for the Mariners, it, it, it's, a, it's a tough question. It really is because obviously their window is now. They're in their window of contention. It started in 2022. It started in 2021, realistically. Yeah. With was, them winning 90 games that year. Yeah. Just, they just didn't quite make it. Mm-hmm. The window of contention is now. And so I, I could definitely see a reason and would not blame them at all for trading one of these guys for, you know, maybe even a major leaguer. Or like, like I, I've seen a lot of people talk about Jonathan Aranda for the Rays. I could definitely see it. Someone who hasn't really gotten a whole lot of play with the Rays. I could definitely see them trading a Cole Young, who is probably four-ish years away, four or five years away, for Jonathan Aranda, who could probably be in the big leagues right now. And I think he actually is in the big leagues right now. But that option where you trade a guy who is younger for a guy who's right there to help you right now, I could see it happening. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, the Mariners need to develop these guys and... Again, you second base is a hole for you. Yeah. Right now. And but, Cole Young, he's shortstop right now, but I think he grades out better as a second baseman anyways when it's all said and done. Could Cole Young be the second baseman of the future for the Mariners? Should we, you know, give him three, four more years? Very easily. But do we want to wait three or four more years when we have the opportunity to capitalize on his value? Exactly. And if he's a bust, you're in big trouble. Or at least you would have been if you hadn't drafted Colt Emerson. Yeah. And so these guys there there's a chance that the Mariners keep them and try to bring them along to be the future middle infield but Mm -hmm. there's a decent chance that if they do want to capitalize right now because let's be honest is Jerry DePoto and Justin Hollinger are they running the ship in a few years who knows I personally hope they are yeah I personally hope they are but 
if they want to kind of ensure that, it's always it's always a what have you done for me lately thing. So let's say the Mariners miss the playoffs this year. They miss the playoffs next year. There's a decent chance that these guys are out. Yeah. And especially with the expectations that have been set. Exactly. And so do they want to capitalize on a prospect like Cole Young right now? And which might harm the future a little bit, but you have a few more years to figure out what to do in that place then. Yeah. Whereas to trade for, I don't have an example, but to trade for someone to play that position now, it's, it's definitely possible. Mm -hmm. And in terms of trades, we actually got a, a few questions when you posted our community tab post about what the Mariners could be doing here. Do you want to bring those up real quick? Kirsch asked, what teams who are out of playoff contention could have options for the Mariners to trade with in terms of getting a bat? Now, there's the, the issue is, I think, there's a lot of teams that probably still think that they're in it because they're right on the cusp. But there's obviously somewhat like teams out there that we can kind of focus in on. And we've talked about this team before. It's the St. Louis Cardinals, a team that is 11 games back of the surging Cincinnati Reds. They're last in their division behind the Pittsburgh Pirates. They need help. And they're already looking to the next season. Could we, you know, take a look at someone on this Cardinals roster? I don't think it's going to be... I don't know. Like, I feel like Brendan Donovan's too valuable to what their core future could be in their opinion, because just like, I don't know, he was good last year. And like the position that he plays, I don't know who would replace him in that way. And he's young, controllable. Are we looking at like a Paul Goldschmidt? I I doubt it. I really doubt it. And same thing with Arenado. So I don't, I don't know from the Cardinals because it's probably going to be an outfielder because that's where their surplus is. But do they want a guy like Cole Young or would they, you know, want some other type of prospect in our system? Because we know that they're going to probably want to focus on pitching. So it's tough to say with the Cardinals specifically, do you have someone that jumps out to you from the Cardinals or maybe from another team? I mean, we talked about the Nationals a while back with Lane Thomas and maybe even Heimer Candelario, even though, you know, there's beef between him and Cal Raleigh. Air quotes around beef. But I don't know. I... I just, I'm not sold on any specific thing right now. I think in a week's time, I'll have a lot better, a lot more clarity surrounding like this specific topic. Yeah. And especially now that the draft's over, like Jerry has even said that nobody was talking about trades during the draft because they were all preparing for the draft. Mm-hmm. And now he, he did say probably that first week or so out of the uh, all-star week that their trades will start picking up, which is already true. We already seen, I think we saw two trades on Wednesday, like small ones, of course, but yeah. Nonetheless, and like you said, the Cardinals are a team that, yeah, makes a lot of sense. The only problem is the only guy they're going to want to trade is Tyler O'Neill, and we don't want Tyler O'Neill. No, no thanks. It's just not. It's not what we need. Mm-hmm. We need we need infield help, and right now the outfield is in a fine spot. Obviously, with Julio Teoscar's picked it up quite a bit. J.K. struggled quite a bit recently, and A.J. Pollock doesn't get enough at bats to ever know what you have out of A.J. Pollock. Yeah. It, it truly is that second base spot because Jose Caballero has been pretty bad. Like he's really good. Bad. He's good in spark plug pinch moments, but as a mm-hmm. consistent role, it's very he's Sam Haggard. It's up and down. It's a very up and down you know thing for him. When the pendulum's swinging in his favor, it's good. When it's not, he looks lost, like he's never seen a baseball thrown at him in his entire life. And that's just you know, is it due to experience? Probably, right? You know, this is rookie. It's going to happen. You're going to get exposed. So, And Colton Wong has looked better-ish, but he's made harder contact, but he still has been terrible. It's not the answer. 
Yeah. So you're really honestly looking for a second baseman. That's what you're doing. You're looking for a second baseman. And that is a big hot commodity to try to come by during a, in the hunt for the playoffs mid season. That's more something that you go out and get in the off season. Usually you'll see outfielders traded and you'll see like pitching traded, but it's not often that you see big middle infield players traded mid season. It has happened. Of course, I think of like the Ian Kinsler trade, Mm -hmm. but I don't know necessarily know if that guy's out there. Like, could you trade for Tommy Edmond? I guess if you wanted to trade the Cardinals for Tommy Edmond, but eh, like I don't know, Paul DeYoung, eh? Yeah, like I think a, the guy that could be interesting is like Zach McKinstry for the Tigers. It's not a sexy pick, but you know, on the season he's hitting two forty seven with a six ninety four OPS, around seven hundreds. You know, he's got six homers, eleven bags. It's 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 a second baseman that if you're not gonna be able to get a premier guy, like I don't think there's anyone that would be available as far as a second base position because you're not gonna go who's who's a guy? Like I can't even think of somebody right now. Like it would have been Javi Baez like three or four years ago, but that's three or four years ago, Javi Baez talking about the Tigers. Yeah. So you're there's not that big name that you're just gonna go out there and find at second base. So you might have to go like a little bit of a more of a budget pick. To kind of fill in and i think i mean history could be an option there but not perfect and i think that with the way everything is working out this year you're going to see a lot of trades in that last week before the trade deadline teams that will finally fit figure okay we're not we're not doing anything this year this isn't going to happen that's when you're going to see a lot of the trades happen jerry does have a propensity to just go out and make trades a month before the deadline it does happen with him but with how many teams still think that they're in they're in it this year is there's not a chance like the the fifth place team in the american league east is the boston red sox but they're and still in it they're f- what five games over 500 yeah, or six five games? games over 500 so yeah. it's like baseball this season it is weird especially with the new format in terms of everybody playing everybody so the nationals like you said Zach McKinstry, you know, is is a guy you could go out and get, but I think the biggest name at second base that we might be able to go get depends on how they're wanting to sell. If they do, is Ha Sung Kim, but mm-hmm. he's going to be very expensive because he's been one of the few bright spots on a an abysmal season for the Padres, and he's ninth in the league in OPS at second base right now. So it would be an upgrade for sure, like a pretty significant upgrade. It's just what's the asking price going to be. Yeah, and I think for Kim, it would be pretty high, honestly. Yeah. I really do. And again, do the Padres want to sell? Do, do they want to sell? Because it's the freaking Padres. Yeah, they, AJ Preller is not known for wanting to sell, you know. And the Cardinals are also a team that doesn't sell. And But Nolan Arenado talked about early in the All-Star break how he would not be surprised if he got traded. He's not going to get traded. Yeah, That makes no sense for them to trade Nolan Arenado. Like, they're not going to, the Cardinals are not going to blow it up. Mm-hmm. They never do. The Cardinals do not blow it up. There's just no chance. They there's, just retool of course, and, you know, somehow figure it out. <laughs> right. There's there's a chance that, you know, they do trade off like a Paul Goldschmidt because he's a free agent after, I think, next year. So is it going to happen? Probably not. That's a trade that if they're out of it next year, they make. But other teams, there really isn't many. The White Sox are a team, but it's like, you want from the White Sox? Not Nobody. really anyone. Nobody. So, like, I, I, don't, I don't know the right answer to the question, unfortunately, because we're somehow some way we are what three weeks away from the mlb trade deadline we still don't know we still don't know what teams are completely out of it that 
and what they're willing to trade and what the asking price is going to be. <laughs> now, before the trade deadline does occur, you know, we've got a pretty significant homestand in front of us coming right out of this All-Star break. We were hot coming into it. Mitchell asked on the community tab post, as good as the Mariners have looked in the last three series, you can't help but be skeptical with the team's clutch gene. You know, there's moments in the, you know, pretty recent memory where, you know, bases loaded, no outs, no runs scored, which is bad. And that's the big thing that Mitchell's harping on in this comment is just, how can we fix that issue and what can we kind of expect from the team coming out of this all-star break against some, you know, more feeble opponents like the Tigers and I mean, the twins aren't bad, but it's the AL central. So Colton, how are you feeling with the, you know, the homestand coming up? I think going into the break was, it was the way, the way the Mariners went into the break was really, really good for the rest of the season. Like the fact that they took down three contending teams mm -hmm. and won all three series is it, it, it's 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 a big deal it really is when you think about the motivation that they have going into this all-star break they could have gone in limping like the texas rangers or like the angels they could have gone into this all-star break limping and that could have you have a week where that just gets on everyone's mentals you know and so coming out you're going to be playing again like you said you'll first you'll take on the tigers that's a team that you should Honestly, I I would say you should sweep. It's hard to sweep in baseball. You should take the series against the Tigers. You really yes. should. And with some of these guys, Julio, hopefully he, you know, is still hitting the ball pretty, like hit, hitting it hard. Yeah. He, he's getting rewarded a little more often when he's hitting the ball hard. We need JK to step it up a little bit. But overall, against some of these, like you said, more feeble teams, it's just a time to continue getting right. The Mariners got right going into the All-Star break, but now to keep that momentum coming out of it and that, specifically is on the offensive side of things with mm -hmm. some of these guys, you know, Teo has been hit or miss lately and Julio, like I said, kind of hit or miss as well. But in terms of their, their clutch gene, you know, it, it's baseball. We've said it for the last 10 years. The Mariners can't hit with the bases loaded. And maybe there's something to that. I think that statistics say they're actually like middle of the pack. And for them, it's something that we've seen in the past years, like where they have been, so good in these clutch moments they always come through with the big hit when they really need it and we haven't seen it much this year with that being said they've kept themselves above water they're one game above 500 going into the second half of the season which isn't great but it's fine so if they can come out of it they hopefully they don't need the clutch sheet playing against these teams hopefully they put up 10 runs a game on all these guys yeah. fingers crossed but if they don't basically let's put it this way the the next four ish series probably shape the way the trade deadline looks and oh, that's why it mattered so much to the Mariners that they went into the break hot. Now, as long as they can come out of it hot and they don't look like they've cooled off and they continue to play well, there's a good chance the Mariners go and make some decent deals at the trade deadline. If they come out of it and just play lackadaisical again, then you're going to see the Teoscar Hernandez is probably get traded off. You're going to see maybe Tom Murphy gone. So in terms of clutch gene, I don't know. Because there have been times where they have gotten the big hits. I there mean, have been times. But... Two out RBIs for us have been huge this year. I mean, mm -hmm. best in the league, I'm pretty sure. So it, it's it is I that one is just it always leaves a sour taste in your mouth when they don't come through. But when when they do come through, it's like oh yeah, they they did the thing that they're supposed to do. It's just kind of like our mindsets surrounding offensive production. Just like oh, they should be producing these moments, and they're not. What's the underlying thing? Well, they're producing in the other ones. So like you know. Of like balances out i feel like in terms of like my mindset around the offense in terms of that yeah. clutch factor you always remember the bad 
that's just the way it, it always has been, especially with the Mariners fan base. You you remember the bad things, mm-hmm. and you look back on the few good things that happened and say, man, what it was like. Oh, the days. were good. <laughs> oh, the days. With that being said, that's going to wrap up Hit It Here podcast number 16. We appreciate you guys watching this one. Big second half coming up for the Mariners. Make sure you stay tuned to Mariner Mojo and check out all the things we'll be putting out because we'll be covering this team up until the very last second, especially with the trade deadline. Appreciate you guys watching this one, and go Mariners.